So last week I discussed the importance of our names, what they mean, um, who uses them, and how they're used, that our names are extremely important to us. So I imagine that many of us, most of us, probably have that one person in our life, maybe a few people in our lives, that no matter how many times we see them, they never remember our names. And it isn't like you get the idea that they just aren't good with names. It's like your name isn't important enough for them to know it, right? Like you might not be important enough for them to know this. And maybe um, maybe that's judgmental, but um, there's a few people that might, it's become a little bit of joke in our family that we see every year the same time and yet they never can remember my daughter's names. And so it's kind of like, we're like, let's see, who will they remember this time, you know? Um, so I think we all kind of have that experience. Well, last week I shared with you um, Larry's middle name. Larry um, is Larry Drew to his family. Um, but I didn't share my middle name. So um, I should say, Larry and I have been together for a very long time. So we just celebrated 25 years since our first date. Um, yeah. Um, who knew 25 years ago when we went out um, on a date our freshman year in college that um, this is where we'd be. So long time, a long time into our relationship, married, um, we had kids. I I'm going to say maybe 10 years into our marriage. I might be wrong, but a long time. Larry made a comment about my middle name, which is Diane, and he made a comment about how my middle name had two N's in it. And I was like, wait, what? Because it doesn't. It just has one N. And I, and I said, wait, what? And he goes, he, like, ha, 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 you're teasing me, because he was so sure it had two N's. I mean, I'm like, tax records? Like, what? Do, like, I don't know. It's, in, it's probably not on there. But anyway, I was like, you can't, do you know me at all? <laughs> We've been together this long and you don't know how to spell my middle name? So in this teaching series, we are exploring the many names of God that are listed in scripture so that we might have a fuller picture of who God is and how God wants to be in a relationship with us and how he wants to um, work in our lives. And just as we can know a person for a long time and not know their whole name, we can know God and still not fully understand the different aspects of who God is. For instance, you can grow up in the church as I did and still have a limited understanding of God and how he works. And that has been true for me personally in knowing the God by the name we are focusing on today. And that is Eloha. Mishpat, which is God of justice. That's the Hebrew name for God of justice that we find in the Bible. Now, Eloha comes from the Hebrew word Elohim that um, we find in the beginning of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. It's a term that is used for all spiritual beings. But God is referred to as the Elohim of Elohims because he's the spiritual being of all spiritual beings. And it is often used in scripture and translated as God. And then mishpat is the word that's translated often as justice or to do what is right. So justice goes beyond, as they said in the video, goes beyond charity. It's important for us to recognize that justice and charity are two different things. Because with justice, not only does it look at broken relationships that we have, 
um, with one another, uh, individual relationships. It also um, looks at the broken systems in our society and seeks to make whatever is broken whole. And so I mentioned that um, God being the God of justice was not a name that I really learned about growing up in the church. Um, Honestly, it's not even a name that I learned about getting a degree in biblical studies and um, in college. I, I learned a lot about God as my savior, a personal savior that saved me from my broken relationship with God because of my own sin. I knew God as my shepherd, um, my father. I, I knew Jesus as Emmanuel, this idea that God with us, um, which I think I had a, this understanding and thought of it as God with me right? This kind of Jesus is here with me, which he is, um, but it means God with us. And I knew God as my wonder, Jesus as my wonderful counselor in my life, Jesus being the word of God. And yet I did not know God as the God of justice or even really understand what that meant for me. Honestly, I, as I was growing up in church, I often heard about Christians um, and churches that practice social justice being criticized because they spent so much time on social justice it was like they should be doing evangelism instead this idea that sharing the good news that is what evangelism means um, sharing the good news um, that Jesus came to save us in our broken relationships um, with God that we should choose one or the other and evangelism is what we should do social justice is um, not evangelism, and so it was this understanding that churches do one or the other, and not both. So this morning, what I want us to look at is what does it mean for God to both send his son, Jesus, as my personal savior, and at the same time be a God of justice that makes all that is broken, including broken systems, whole. And so, as with several of the names that we're going to look at, um, the God of Justice is a name that is both used by um, men and women who want to worship God. They use that name to worship God, but also God himself uses this name to describe who he is. And so, in passages in Psalms, we see that God's justice and his righteousness and his love are so interconnected that we cannot separate one from the other, that we have to, in order to look at one, we also have to seek and receive and share all three, justice, righteousness, and love. So in Psalm chapter 33, verse 5, it says, the Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. And then in Psalm 89, verse 14, it says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. This idea that God is a God of love isn't separated from him also being a God of justice. But this morning, I want us to look through a couple of um, prophets and how God refers to himself through these prophets as a God of justice. And we're going to look at two, um, Ezekiel and Isaiah. And we're going to begin with Ezekiel, which um, Ezekiel actually historically um, comes after Isaiah. But I want to look at Ezekiel because we mentioned him last week when we talked about God being our shepherd. 
And I, I want to look at this passage because here we see God describing himself as a shepherd, which is a very personal relationship, a shepherd and his sheep. We talked about how he cares that sheep need a shepherd to care for almost all of their needs, that they're helpless without the shepherd. And that's the image that um, God gives for himself. But he also talks about justice. And actually, the reason why he talks about being a shepherd is because of the unjust system that is um, happening to his people. So if you will remember, at this point, Ezekiel is um, the Jewish people. He's one of um, the Jewish people that have been taken away. Um, they have been taken away by the Babylonian Empire, and they are scattered all over the Babylonian Empire. And largely, they are the oppressed people, right? But some of the Jewish leaders have taken advantage of um, the oppression of their people and made um, some, um, like, they, they are okay because the, the Babylonian Empire's kind of, like, giving them what they need so that they will kind of... Um, be okay with the oppression that's happening, which happens um, sometimes uh, with oppression and leaders. And um, so that is what causes God to say through Ezekiel, no, this isn't how I want this to work. And so I just want us to read through Ezekiel chapter 34. Um, it is a longer passage than I normally would put up on the slide. So if you have a Bible app and you want to follow along, um, you want to go to Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel's in the Old Testament towards the middle there, Ezekiel. So we're going to read through. Um, I just want you to be aware of both the image of God as a personal savior, shepherd, and also a God who gets upset with justice. Um, or injustice, I should say. All right, so I, uh, Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 1. This is Ezekiel speaking. The word of the Lord came to me and said, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. He says, woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, you clothe yourself with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You do not strengthen the weak or heal the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally, and so they were scattered because there were no shepherds. And when they were scattered, they became food for the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill, they were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. So it's that image of them being scattered um, and in exile in, in the Babylonian Empire. Verse 7, he says, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd, and so has been plundered and has become food for the wild animals, and because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for my flock. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says, that I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths, and it will no longer be food for them. Verse 11 
For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and I will look after them. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. Verse 16, I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. I love that combination of God being our shepherd and our God of justice. Right now, I want us to look um, at Isaiah. And what we see in this instance is how God wants to relate to us when we are living in a system of injustice. How he wants us to be um, able to go to him and call out to him and pray to him as our God of justice. So Isaiah, at this point, it's before um, the, the nation of Judah has been taken into captivity, but it's weak for sure. And the nation that they're um, concerned about is the empire, the Assyrian empire. And they're afraid that the Assyrian empire is going to take them. And so they decide what they'll do is go and become aligned with the Egyptian nation. And so they give the Egyptians money and think that if they are invaded, that the Egyptians will come to their rescue. Now, there's a couple of problems with this. First of all, that is against the law, um, the law that God gave them. They are not allowed to make that kind of alliance with Egypt. Um, the second thing is that they immediately go to help to Egypt. Now, remember, Egypt once enslaved their people. They go to Egypt for help before they go to God for help. And that is what makes God um, upset. And yet there is such compassion in this passage in Isaiah chapter 30 of how he wants his people to relate. And he's frustrated. You can definitely hear it in uh, his tone. Uh, maybe there's even um, some sarcasm there, but he um, still has compassion for his people. So I'm going to read um, Isaiah 30 beginning in verse 15. This is what God says. He says, I will keep you safe if you turn back to me and calm down. So these people, they're so afraid. They're going to be attacked. And so they go to Egypt. He said, turn back to me and calm down. I will make you strong if you quietly trust me. And then this is his sarcasm. He says, and then you stubbornly say, no, we will safely escape on speedy horses. And so he kind of goes into this exaggerated hyperbole of how that isn't going to work for them. But this is what I, I want us to hear his compassionate tone here. In verse 18, he says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. That's what he was calling his people to do. Wait on me. Trust that I am your God of justice. I have compassion and love for you. Understand who I am. Now, I, I want to just talk about um, why I think it's so important for us to know God as a God of justice. Um, it's important that we know God as our Savior. It's important that we know him as our shepherd. But it's also really important that we know him as a God of justice. And it's important that we talk about that. One of the reasons why I think it's important to know the God as the God of justice, and it's been important for me because I, I shared with you, I didn't know him like that, 
is that um, it's easy if we don't know the God of justice that we will see the good news that we talk about, the good news that Jesus came to save us as the only part of the good news. Instead of that is a that is good news. If that was the only part of the good news, it would still be good news. But it is not the only part of the good news. That there is also part of the good news is that Jesus was bringing a kingdom, a kingdom that was wanting to rule here on earth as it was and it does in heaven. And that's why we pray that prayer. That's why we see Jesus pray that prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's bringing this kingdom where the systems of inequality and injustice don't work. And he's working to bring back the way it was in the garden when there was no separation between mankind and mankind or man and God or man and creation. He's bringing that shalom back. That is part of the good news too. And so it's important that we see that, the God, that God is a God of justice as well as a savior, right? That he's a God who personally wants to live in our lives. And so I'm just going to, um, there are lots of ways that we see when we neglect the God of justice that, um, we, and just focus on Jesus as savior, how that plays out in society and in churches. Um, but I just want to mention one that um, I, I found in um, a very important book called Divided by Faith. And so one of the realities in America um, is that our churches are very divided racially. Um, many people, including Martin Luther King, has said that um, Sunday morning is the most segregated time of our, our week. Um, and that is slowly changing, but that is still very true in America. And so this, what this book did is they looked at um, why that happened, and they did a lot of research. And so what they found is one of the major differences between white evangelical Christians and evangelical Christians of color is how they see systems of injustice. And so it actually is true that um, white evangelical Christians are less likely to see systematic racism as a thing um, than if you are just a white non-Christian, or yes, white non-Christian. So, um, so what the researchers found, the reason why they think that is true is that white Christians, they just, they're using the tools that they've been given to look at information. And it's not out of um, ill intent. It's just they're using the, the, the tools they've been given. And the tools they've been given is this individual relationship with God and that he's fixing that individual relationship that was broken. And that um, because they aren't given the tools of also the other part of what Jesus is doing, they have a hard time looking at that same, the same um, economic disparity that is clearly there. And will say it must be personal, um, that the personal behavior of the person instead of these systems that create that. And so that has become a problem in our country. And so I believe that if we don't know God as a God of justice that cares deeply about how individuals are hurt by unjust systems, that we tend to believe that those unjust systems aren't even there. Or if they're there, we just think that isn't something we should worry about. Now, another reason that I think um, knowing a God of justice is that we need to remember that worship 
isn't just about how we sing songs or our prayer. Worship is about how we act, right? Telling God how, who he, how worthy he is. That's what worship is about. And we do that through our actions every day. And so when we know that God is a God of justice who cares deeply about those in our society who are treated unjustly, then it makes us want to worship our God of justice by also caring deeply for those who are treated unjustly. And finally, I think it's really important that we know God as the God of justice because of that relationship that he was looking for. With, when we see in Isaiah, he wants us to trust that he will make things right, that he will show up in our lives, that he loves justice. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. So scripture is filled with people who are treated unjustly, and they call out to God to show up in their lives and to give them justice. And that's the practice of lament that we see throughout the Old Testament. Lament is people crying out to God about their pain about what isn't right in this world, and calling on the God of justice to make it right. It's a powerful tool that we um, haven't practiced very well in the church in America. And so we want to lament to God because when we lament, we, we say we aren't giving up. We admit the enormity of our pain, which God can handle and wants to hear from us, and we don't cover our eyes to the, and pretend like the stuff isn't there. But also when we lament, what we also say is we can't fix it all by ourselves. That the Jewish people, they wanted to fix it by, oh, we'll make a, you know, we'll go to Egypt and fix it without going to God. But when we lament, we say, God, we can't fix this without you. That we aren't the saviors. That we aren't so great that we can solve every problem in this world with just our intellect and skill that we need the God of justice to show up in this world, in this neighborhood, and in our lives. And so one of the goals of this teaching series is that we would use these different names in our prayer and um, our worship, and not just our individual prayer and worship, but our corporate prayer and worship together. We are invited to use these names. You know, last week we were invited to use the name shepherd. God, be my shepherd. Help me rest. Help find me when I am lost. Help encourage me through the valleys of the hard times in my lives. But we are also invited to call out to the God of justice, to hear us in our cries for help, crying out to make things right. And in Sujan Ra's book, Prophetic Lament, he calls the church to return to the act of worship that is corporate lamenting together. And he asks this question in his book, are our churches safe spaces to wail and weep for loss and prejudice, injustice and hatred, pain and brokenness? Are our churches safe spaces to, to cry for these things? In Bethany Huang's book, Deepening the Soul for Justice, she writes, justice is always connected to worship because both worship and justice are all about the right ordering of the world. Both worship and justice proclaim and declare God's lordship over all 
including evil, including oppression. So right now, that's what we're going to do. We're going to worship the God of justice by lamenting together. The worship team is going to lead us in a song called Holy Discontent. And we're going to ask the God of justice to make all that is broken in this world whole and right. God says, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. <laughs> 